Vodka. Vodka. Good evening, everyone. It's Amber Love of Vodka O'Clock Podcast and AmberUnmasked.com. And today, my very special guest is Zach Krusey, who is running a special Kickstarter campaign. We're going to get into all of the details about that. But first, let me just remind you, we're an explicit website and podcast. So if you're easily offended or under 18, you probably shouldn't, uh, should not be a follower of mine. <laughs> Let's just say that. Um, Zach, welcome. Welcome to the uh, Vodka Clock. Hi, thanks for having me here. I appreciate it. So instead of vodka, um, since we're going to be talking about the Appleseed Art and Comics Convention, I'm drinking apple cider, hard cider. I picked up a couple new ones. So um, the first one I'm going to try is the Blackberry Pear Cider from Fox Barrel. Ooh. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds whimsical. It Yeah, it does. It sounds, uh, you know, woodsy. Like, you yeah. know, like you expect uh, cute little things to be running around while you're drinking it. <laughs> the Snow White effect. Um, and then if it sucks, I brought up a woodchuck to have next to me just to wash it down if I don't like it. Cause I it's, always, a, it's always good to have a backup like that. Yeah. Well, I had in, people kept recommending this Angry Orchard. So mm-hmm. I picked up two of those. And I had one of them yesterday, and it was a, an extra dry. And I didn't like it. Not my thing. I haven't had the extra Dry? Yeah. Uh, but I, I usually like um, I usually like them. Um, the other ciders I've had are pretty good. So, let's see. This is interesting. Blackberry pear. Um, getting a lot of the blackberry. Good, interesting, or bleh, interesting? Well, no, it's good. Um, but, uh, but definitely good. These things are nice because they're sort of just like having a cold soda, you know? Or yeah. a, pop, a pop, as you guys say out there in <laughs> Fort Wayne. Yeah, that's. I think that's. Yeah, I, that that's all. We, I don't know why we call it pop. I don't know what pop has to do with anything, but I don't know. It used to be called soda pop, like just as one word. Oh, uh, yeah. Then, you know what? What's absurd is I've never put that together. It's just like yeah, it's just pop. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Let's uh, let's get into this Kickstarter campaign of yours. It's very easy to search in if you just go to you know Kickstarter.com and you type in Appleseed. It's the first one that comes up of the, of those names. And uh, this is for your show that will be in next year in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And you've been doing this show for several years because I went to your show before it was even called Appleseed mm-hmm. when it was uh, Summit City. Right. So I've uh, just kind of been following along every single year, you know, hoping that there was some way I could make the travel costs to get uh, get back out there. But it's just, it's grown and it's gotten this amazing reputation of being such a comics-friendly and creator-friendly show. So Yeah, yeah, thank you for that. I work really hard for that. Um, I mean, you and I have known each other for a long time, but... Uh, you know, when I started doing the show, I mean, that was the idea. It was to do a community show um, that is comics-focused and just as importantly as being comics-focused is that it's creator-focused. Um, you know, you know, I, I make comics um, occasionally. <laughs> Not as much as I used to, I guess, anymore. But, right. but, um, but you know, it's tough being on the other side of the table. And, um, you know, and it can be extra tough when you go to a show where, Honestly, you're not the focus where, you know, some aging professional wrestler is or Adam West or something like that. You know, and I 
I love the '60s Batman show, and I like Adam West, and I like you know meeting those those B-list celebrities from the from the movies that I grew up watching and the TV shows. But you know, to me, that's not the reason I go to comic shows. I go to comic shows because I want to meet the people that are making the books that I read every week, and if it's not or web comics or whatever the case may be. Um, and I think that's I think that's the thing to focus on. I mean, I think if you want to have a good show, a legit show that actually draws people not just to the show to get money through the door, but to comics as a medium. I think we have to put, we as convention organizers have to put the creators first and make them front and center um, because those personal relationships that people build at shows with creators are what keeps them coming back, I think. So what's the average uh, attendee count like for for your show? Because previously it's been one day. So up to this point, what have you built up to? Uh, we've been running, uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but we've been running for the past, uh, previous four years, that is, anywhere, uh, we started out about 12 to 1500 and we've run up, uh, to pretty close to 2000. So, uh, and that's for one day. And, um, you know, I'm pretty happy with those numbers. I mean, those, that for, especially for a city that's, you know, only 300,000 people and, uh, you know, a new, a young show, um, I'm pretty pleased with that, but I think we can do better. Um, and, you know, that's part of the reason that uh, I'm using the Kickstarter is to be able to do better. Um, so, you know, it, but it has been growing uh, pretty steadily uh, over the past four years. And, um, you know, it's, it's been really rewarding and exciting to watch grow. I mean, that's I think that's the thing that I get the biggest kick out of is to see people that that uh, that are coming back to the show year after year and find it and not just coming back because out of like rote memorization or something, you know, but, uh, but because they're actually finding new things and getting something out of the experience. Right. And, um, it's at first I, I mean, I really didn't get the chance to see Fort Wayne at all, but Mm -hmm. that particular neighborhood was really kind of quaint. Like when we went out afterwards, um, first of all, I think we walked, uh, the only places that we had to be, like I stayed at at a bed and breakfast Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, we were able to walk to the convention center and then, you know, walk to any place, any of the bars or whatever that we went to afterwards. Um, it was, it was just one of the things where the, I think the only place we drove to was, um, I think your comic shop. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. For, uh, yeah. When I, when the show was associated with DCBS. Yeah. Right. Um, Yeah. It, that was really the only place you had to drive to. I mean, that's and that's the reason that I do it downtown because there's plenty to do down there. You know, as far as convention stuff goes, um, the only thing you really have to drive to is just to go to any of the comic shops or movie theaters in the area. If you want to walk, you can walk to all the most of the of the great bars that are downtown and all the food and all that kind of stuff that's right there. And and actually, since you've been here, it's built up even more because well, maybe not it was the the baseball stadium was there that first year, but I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, but uh, but the baseball stadium is downtown, right across from the uh, convention center, and there's a new uh, strip center in there with restaurants and uh, shops and that sort of thing. So. Um, the the convention center, though, I did want to specifically bring up because I know you mentioned it in the, uh, I think in the video for on the Kickstarter page, um, and you mentioned. Some, you know, about how nice that particular convention center is. And that was literally probably the nicest 
convention center I've ever been in because that that one wall is just this amazingly tall cathedral-like floor-to-ceiling windows. So the main hallway that people are going to be walking down is beautifully lit. So um, I know it's one of those things where a small show doesn't really get that many cosplayers to come out and take pictures, but it really is like a fabulous little wing just for photos of any kind. And then inside where the tables are, it was really bright. It was still really bright. Um, so it's it's just one of those things where I've been in, like, I remember the old, like, Big Apple show out in New York. It was, like, being in the, the bottom of a submarine. <laughs> it was, like, everything was just dark and dismal and gray and just, un- like, it was just not inviting. And right. yet this convention hall that you've got is beautiful. It's so beautiful and clean. Um, that, that just makes a really good impression. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe, like, how lucky we are to have that place down there. And um, I think a lot of people short, sort of, uh, or at least that are coming in from out of town, share your experience. They come in like, oh, I can't believe how nice this is. And, um yeah, and, you know, and the thing is, is I, I think that I mentioned this in the Kickstarter video, too. I mean, they do so many just little things there for the show that make it, they just add up to make it that much more pleasant, you know, the things like you're saying. But even just teensy tiny little things like leaving trash cans around for people to throw stuff in and for creators to use. I mean, I know you've done lots of shows. I mean, to, to get a trash can or to yeah, get to the end of a day or the end of a show and not have to haul away like a giant, like, armful of garbage and wadded up chip bags and, you know, soda, soda cups. I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of nice. And, um, and to not have to take 45 minutes to an hour to walk across the show floor. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, just, I'm such a big fan of medium sized shows. I really, um, that's, it's my favorite thing to do shows like yours because I, I don't want to have to, that just that notion of well, if I want to make it to make it to a panel, I have to leave the artist alley an hour ahead of time. And oh yeah, I, I mean that's just ridiculous. So, and basically that's what the inside of your show is like. It's like the biggest artist alley possible. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like ninety-five percent artist alley. Um, you know, I like I want retailers there, and I want people to dig through back issues and stuff. Um, and we have some really great ones that come year after year. But, you know, it's, it's like I said before, I think the greatest experience is finding that back issue and then, but also meeting the person that drew it. Um, and, uh, you know, so that's, you know, that's again, you know, why I limit the number of, of vendors that I, that I even allow at this show. Um, it's not that we couldn't handle more, but I don't want, I don't want those guys that are work, those men and women that are working so hard to lose any opportunities to be able to reach out to new fans, you know? Right, absolutely. And there's um, there's sort of like a, a steady, stable core group of people that make the show every year. And then there's, um, you know, because it's growing, even the artists attending, you get some new blood each time. So that's great. But, I mean, I know, like, Hilary Barta is always there and Steve Bryant and Dave Wachter. So, um you know, these are like people that you want to meet and you get to spend 10 minutes talking to while they're, you know, they might not be able to work on your commission right 
as you're standing there. A lot of them have to have a list, but um, I agree with you. I love, uh, you know, the the idea that you're not standing in some sort of line <laughs> for a really long time just to get up to a table to talk to somebody and shake their hand for a second. Right. You know, this this is just such a more intimate approach. And if those people are going to be at the big shows and they're going to be in really cramped aisles, then, you know, sort of make that choice where, well, if I can be at a show where everybody's happy and everybody's more comfortable and there's no line, then uh, to me it's sort of like a no-brainer. I'm like, I would skip the big show. <laughs> right, yeah, I mean... You know, that's not gonna, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's really, to me, it's so much about that experience, you know, and you don't have to, you know, be hovering over someone's table to get to know them or to, to, you know, develop some sort of relationship, if not with them, then with their work. You know, you can be there, like you said, for 10 minutes and talk to somebody flipping through, you know, a portfolio or whatever, and you can really, um, really get, get a good handle on not just, not just that person, but their work and, you know, if you're someone who comes out and is relatively unfamiliar with comics or um, is looking for something new, it's a really great opportunity to, you know, find that new thing, meet that new person, you know, that thing, that uh, that great thing to glom on to. Um, and, and, you know, the other side of that, too, is it's a great opportunity for creators to say, to push and, you know, build that fan base that's going to uh, be loyal to them for a long time. Do you know um, who's already planning on attending? Yeah, uh, the guest list is uh, gradually growing. You know, it's it, we're still ten months out, so sure. uh, so the list is you know on it well on its way. But uh, this year we have uh, Dave, of course, will be back. Hillary will be back. Um, I'm anticipating that we're going to have uh, at least three or four of the four star studios guys, like uh, Mike Norton and Josh Emmons and Sean Dove. Uh, and hopefully a few others will come along with them. Um, but uh, we this year, uh, so far, one of our big guest announcements this year is we have uh, Peter Bag coming to the show, and uh, I love Peter Bag. Um, it's been sort of a ever since I when I started the show, it's been kind of a dream of mine to get Peter here um, because I love hate <laughs> and uh, and and the Bradleys and. Uh, you know, the things that he did for neat stuff. I just, I think Peter's just one of, one of the best working cartoonists out there. And, uh, so I'm really excited for Peter to be here. And, uh, we all, but Ed Piscor will be, uh, will be here this year, uh, who did, Wiz, uh, just got an Eisner for WYSIWYG. And, uh, we'll also have, um, Tom Scholey, um, and just several others. So, uh, we've got a list right now of about 30 or so. Uh, and you can find that on the Appleseed website. But uh, by the time the show gets here, it'll reach about, I cap the show at about 100 to 125 creators. Um, And, you know, again, because I want people to be able to focus and and spend time with these guys, that's why I cap it. Um, You know, we could get more, we could squeeze more creators in, but, you know, at at a certain point, you, you know, you saturate, you saturate the floor and it makes it harder for, for the, for the fan to really, um, find that new person if they're so overwhelmed by trying to see and touch and smell everything. Okay. So, uh, do you set up a, like a wait list? Yeah. Basically what it is, is, um, for those that don't know, I, uh, because, 
because I want to make this as a creator-friendly show as possible, I offer all of my artist alley tables for free. So um, basically what we do is we have a jury system, uh, so folks can submit, and then it's, um, you know, whatever work that they submit is reviewed by the jury, and we try to get back to people as quickly as we can, just sometimes we get a little bit more um, flooded than others, but uh, we try to get back to folks as quickly as we can, and then in the event that uh, someone is not approved immediately for a table, that's not really a reflection on their work. It's usually a reflection on, you know, um, the amount of space that we have left. So we move those folks to a a waiting list, and then um, as space becomes available or if space becomes available, then we reach out to those people and say, hey, this spot opened up. If you're still interested, we'd like to have you, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. And um, let's see, the the Kickstarter goal is pretty, it's pretty modest. You have $8,000 goal. Um, right. And is this your first time taking a stab at Kickstarter? Yeah, yeah. This is the first time I've done anything with Kickstarter. I've supported several Kickstarter campaigns, uh, either myself or through the show. Um, so I'm not, I'm not unfamiliar with it, but... Um, we decided, or I decided, to use Kickstarter this year because um, the show is going to go on in 2014, but really what I want to be able to do is expand the show from one to two days. Um, that's the biggest thing that the Kickstarter is going to help us do. Um, but it's also going to really help us a lot um, in attracting new guests uh, like Peter Bag and, uh, and others. So it helps out a great deal with that. And it... Uh, it uh, it also is uh, going to help us set up other additional community events here in the city to bring more people into the show and get them more excited about comics in general. So, for example, um, we have or I have a couple of speakers that are lined up to come to local universities here in the city. So our Kickstarter funds will, will help um, supplement that and make sure that we can get even more here. Uh, we'll also be running a film festival or uh, sort of a, a micro film festival in March of next year. So the Kickstarter will help us with that. And it's also really just going to help us to market the show to people that live outside of the area. Um, I think we've been, I think we've been really effective in marketing the show to people that live, you know, in Northeast Indiana and Ohio uh, and, you know, really throughout most of Indiana, but I would like to expand our reach um, a little bit deeper into Michigan and to the Chicago area and uh, deeper into Ohio and, and, um, places further away. Uh, and, and again, you know, the reason behind that is not just to get people through the door. Um, of course, you always want people through the door, but the idea is just to get people out there just to celebrate comics for comics' sake. Don't come because, like, oh, man, I'm going to this is the time I'm going to get Bruce Campbell to sign my chainsaw. You know, come because... Right, that's, that's but, not going to be the thing. <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, this is, you know, this is get out here and, you know, get Peter Bag to do a commission for you. This is get out here and meet Dave Wachter and have him, you know, sign your sheriff's badge for, you know, from guns of shadow Valley, something like that. Um, it's, it's an entirely different experience than what you find at uh, a lot of larger shows. So, and like I said, Kickstarter helps do that. Right. So the, the community outreach was sort of like this brand new component that I hadn't ever noticed any other comic con attempting to do before, except for maybe things like, like Trickster, I think maybe does like a drink and draw or something, but it's very more inclusive as to during the times and dates of the con. 
So um, you're doing things specifically like year-round and associating it with apple seed. Right, yeah, that's exactly it. Um, so, it, and I guess those are other things I, I forgot to mention, too. I mean, we do uh, weekly, uh, bi-weekly drink and draws year-round um, that invite anyone in uh, in the area that wants to come out and, and hang out and have a few beers and uh, make comics or just spend time with people who uh, have similar interests. Um, but, yeah, we do that. And, uh, and this year, actually coming up at the end of the month, um, we have a festival in town called Taste of the Arts, so Appleseed will be down there. We'll be doing comic stuff um, and uh, reaching out to people in that way, too. I mean, the, the thing to me is, and I, and I really believe this with, with all my heart, is that people will read comics. People that don't read comics now will read comics. Um, the trouble is that for many of them, there's they've set up this barrier where they think that comics are only superheroes, and, you know, I love superheroes as much as anybody. I'm not putting that down. Um, but for many people, that, if we're being honest, for many people, that's a barrier. And by reaching out to the community in this way, uh, we can draw those people in and say, hey, remember how much you really liked uh, Ghost World? Remember how much you really liked American Splendor? Remember how much you really liked uh, History of Violence or something else? Those are all comics. Why don't you come over here and let us show you some things? And... Um, you know, the past couple of years we've tried to do that on a smaller scale, and I feel like it's really worked. Um, I would say, just guesstimating, I would say about 25 to 35% of the people that come through the door uh, at Appleseed or at the previous show, Summit City, um, I'd say about 25 to 30, 35% of them either have a very limited uh, knowledge about comics um, or have never read them at all. And um, the fact that they come out to even see what's here is uh, very encouraging to me. And I think that we can draw more people like that out and get them more interested and more invested um, in the medium that, you know, you and I and so many other people love so much. Yeah, I think um, it's it's always an interesting debate because things like the video game market is so huge and really uh, basically a, a primary component of why comics are surviving at all um, is not because of the comics. <laughs> it's the, the gaming and the blockbuster movies, um, even the bad movies, <laughs> do do a fair share of, of keeping people's interest. And a lot of the stuff that's not superhero, like when you see superheroes, you do think of comics, but the stuff that's not superhero, like the losers, um, you know, and you mentioned two guns and stuff like that, uh, The Walking Dead. People are very addicted to The Walking Dead show that didn't know it was a comic. Um, it's just a, always an interesting debate about what makes somebody, you know, have the the, I don't know, the legitimate right to be a fan of something. And people like you are just so much more open-minded about it and just like, hey, if you like that, come check out this. <laughs> instead of as sort of instead of putting up this blockade saying, oh, you just don't know what you're talking about. And more like um, excluding them. Right, yeah. You always attract more flies with honey. Yeah. Yeah. Um and that's that's the thing. I mean, that's I mean, you're I think you're exactly right about you know so much of you know what we understand is comics being supported by video games and film and you know cartoons and licensing deals. And that's absolutely true. Um, 
you know, it, my my perspective on that is while that's true, I just feel like we as the community that cares about this so much can do something to supplement what those uh, what what those bigger guys are doing, and we can do that just you know by being kind to people and saying. I bet you would like this. Why don't you try it? And if they don't like it, then, you know, God bless them. That's fine. You don't have to like everything. You know, I don't. I certainly don't. Um, but, you know, if we can at least get people to try it. Right. And that's, uh, you know, once in a while, we get really lucky when something that was not a big brand franchise or whatever, you know, gets to take off or gets a TV deal like The Sixth Gun. You know, I mean, right. th- that was, uh, you know little book from Oni Press. And, um, you know, just two regular guys that wanted to wanted to make comics. And, you know, next thing you know, NBC is... <laughs> I mean, they put in a couple years of time. It's not like it came out of nowhere. But, you know, it's, it's really cool. And all of a sudden you're on CBR and you're seeing these announcements about, um, you know, stuff's not even optioned. Stuff is like... Beyond, it's like past the point of options. They're casting. It's in the works. That sort of a thing. Uh, yeah, and that's 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 super exciting to me. And the thing is, is where you're seeing so many of those come from. I mean, outside of the realm of the Marvel and DC universes, or excuse me, where you're seeing most of them come from is from outside of the you know the the realm of the Mar- Marvel DC universe. And that's really exciting too. That's, I mean, that's super exciting. Um, because that means that the, that tells me that the demand for these stories is, is there. Um, and, uh, it, to me, it makes it, it makes my job at least a little bit easier in saying, you already like this. Remember? <laughs> you spent, you spent an entire season watching this, DVRing this. You are, you've already told me that you like it. Now let's take it the next step further. Um, and, uh, that's it, a really exciting thing to me, really exciting thing to me. Um, well, since, I mean, we're having a really cool discussion about sort of like, you know, transmedia of comics <laughs> and, and the properties and everything. So uh, what sort of things get discussed in your discussion panels? Uh, we do lots of different stuff. Um, in the past, we've uh, run a lot of workshops, um, you know, you know, making comics workshops. We've actually even run uh, cosplaying uh, workshops as well. Um, at least this year we did. Uh, but a lot of times, what we uh, what we've done is we've set guys up uh, to talk about really just to speak frankly about what they're doing uh, in the industry um, and, and some of the, the challenges that are out there for you know, and uh, especially for indie comics creators. Um, while I want to have, you know, plenty of mainstream guests at the show, I mean, the bulk of our guests are indie comics, uh, are indie comics guys. So, you know, it's an opportunity to really talk about the challenges and, um, and the rewards that are available in, in doing it. Uh, we also spend, uh, we've, I think almost every year we've had a panel talking about, uh, digital comics, either web comics or, um, or, uh, just regular digital, you know, like you get through Comixology or someplace like that. Um, and, and the potential impact that that will have on not really the market so much, but just the industry and, uh, and what, uh, creators are doing to adjust for it. Um, we also, uh, usually have at least one or two panel discussions that are creator spotlights. Um, so we've done creator spotlights with Hillary, um, who's just has these amazing stories. 
Um, but we've also done them with Dennis Cowan and, uh, and a few others. So, um, and it, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think that's a lot of fun for fans to, to experience. Um, again, because, you know, when I go to panels, I don't really, when I, when I go to panels at bigger shows, I'm not going there thinking, man, I just can't wait to see the lineup for the next big thing. I, I want to hear, I want to hear the actual thoughts and ideas and, um, stories from these, from these, uh, men and women. You know, I can get the marketing stuff from CBR or Newsarama or, or Bleeding Cool or wherever. Right. So uh, it's more than a commercial. It's actually, yeah, um, informative. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly it. I mean, you said it much more succinctly than I, than I possibly could have. But yeah, it's, it's much, it, they're all intended to be either informative or educational, um, as opposed to an advertisement. Um, cause I, I just, that's more interesting and that's, that's what keeps people sticking around. And it's not it's not some flash in the pan thing like oh in six months we're going to be publishing this book well that's terrific but what am I going to be why why will I care after six months and I think when you have those educational or informative panels those give you the things to understand and to think about excuse me for the next you know six not just six months but twelve months or eighteen or however many years um, as you sort of follow along with you know whatever books it is that you're reading. So the the Kickstarter campaign is running through uh, August pretty much. So um, when people contribute to that, it you know it helps build things like you know get these other creators there, whether they're speaking or you know they're likely having tables for you to meet them as well. Um, like you said, there's the community involvement. So what sort of rewards are in the campaign? Uh, lots, actually. Um, yeah, there are lots. I mean, I see like they have a great big long list of. Uh, people that are helping out. Yeah, uh, I've been really, really fortunate with um, some of the creators that have been willing to help out and volunteered to help out. Um, so we've got, uh, most of the rewards are sketches or commissions from artists that will be attending the show, um, which is really cool um, that they're donating you know, part of their time and, and their uh, their labors to, to the show. Um, that That means a lot to me personally. Uh, but uh, a lot of them are sketches and commissions that uh, folks can pick up and uh, at the show and meet the, and meet these guys. Uh, but we also have T-shirts for the show, uh, sticker packs, and um, and also uh, you know you can buy tickets to the show as well. Um, excuse me. But th- there's also a lot of sponsorship and advertising options. So if uh, if there are folks out there that either want to be uh, one of the premier sponsors for the show. Um, there's an option for that. There's options to buy vendor booths. There's options to buy ads in the program, um, or even uh, ads on the on the website and that sort of thing. So there, there's plenty there's plenty of ways to really participate with the Kickstarter and and with the convention. You don't have to just be a fan. You can be someone who's also trying to reach out to uh, to fans. And um, I feel like diversifying it in that way allows the sh- allows the Kickstarter to um, reach. Uh, all sorts of different people um, and, and draw support from uh, different uh, facets of the community. I'm even noticing that you have a, a VIP package. Oh yeah! Oh my gosh! I actually forgot about those. Yeah, uh, there. Are, thanks for reminding me. Good job. Hey, uh, all right. That's great. That's great. I can read. That's great podcasting, Amber. <laughs> Redirect the guest when he forgets about his own stuff. Um, <laughs> Uh, anyway, yeah, no, I, I set up a few VIP packages where I will uh, fly people in from anywhere around the country or put them up in hotels uh, while they're while they're here at the show, and um, 
you know, I, I, I set those up. Not that I think that there are going to be lots of people saying, oh, man, I really want to fly in from Portland, Oregon. I mean, I hope there are. But, um, but I set those up because I want to let people know that, A, I'm willing to do this and I'm really, really happy to do it. But, B, I want to bring people here to let them experience the show and the community in this way and um, let them know that there is an opportunity out there for them to – not just have to show up at some, you know, really sweaty, damp, you know, convention hall somewhere. Um, they can come here and they can relax and spend time with friends or in the community and um, with people that really, really care about comics, um, really care about comics and, uh, you know, the, and the people that make them. So, yeah, I mean, you know, do I really anticipate that I'm going to, move like 20 of those now, but, um, but I want people to know that the option's there and I, I hope that people take advantage of that because, um, I want them to come. The, the whole thing for me with the show, and I know I'm sort of running off on a tangent with this, but the whole thing for me with the show, and I've said this from, from day one, is that I want people to come to Appleseed and just have at least one one hundredth or a thousand, e- even a thousand of the excitement that I have and the passion that I have for comics and, and the comics community. Um, and if there's anything that I can do to share that with people so they can come out and see this and, and just spend a little time with this and, and go home a happier, wiser, um, more thoughtful person or just someone that has found something new, um, to found, found a new way to enjoy the short amount of time that we have on Earth. I mean, that that's really what I want to do with this. And um, that that's really what drives everything that I do with this show. So if uh, if that means that I got to fly somebody out from the West Coast, then I will do it. Uh, if that means I got to put somebody up in a hotel for a couple of nights, then that then I will do it. Because um, it, it's really that important to me. Well, I've never seen uh, really anything else offer that to any to, to attendees. I've seen that offered to creators, like you know, hey, with this amount of money, um, you know, all a creator who's maybe launching a new book will say, you know, for, uh, you know, a thousand dollars, I will fly to, you know, your comic shop or something like that. Um, so I've never actually seen what, you know, this other variation of that, which is to get people to the show. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I said, it's, you know, it's, it's really just to spread the love (laughs) and, um, and try to give people a little bit of what, uh, of the happiness and, and the joy that I feel for, for comics. So, Well, let me ask you this. Do you uh, get to go to other shows at all? Um, yeah, I do, actually. Not as often as I used to, um, but that's really only because uh, in recent years, and you know this, I think, but, uh, you know, I started teaching and I'm, uh, and, uh, I'm going to grad school as well, so that puts a pretty big cramp on my schedule and... Uh, but, uh, but no, I, I go to as many shows as I can, and I've been going to shows for a long time. Um, so yeah, no, I've, I've been, I've been at this for a while. At least, this is 2013. So, I've been doing, I've been attending cons regularly for at least 13 years. Um, so, you know, this isn't, you know, uh, my first rodeo. I've, I've, uh, and I've attended them from, you know, from the East Coast to the West Coast, and, uh, you know, points in between. And, um, you know, every show is different, and every show offers a different experience for fans. And uh, I, when I was putting together Appleseed, 
really what I borrowed a lot from were the experiences that, that I always thought were the best. And the two best convention experiences I think I've ever had were um, at the CGS Super Show um, and uh, at uh, Windy City Comic Con that uh, the Around Comics guys put together. Right. Those, those two shows, by far and away, were the best convention experiences I've ever had because they were shows that um, had heart, you know? Um, and uh, people came, and they weren't just there because it was something to go or it was the big place to, to be. They were there because they really cared about it. And um, that really struck me. I mean, that, that really never left me. And um, because of those two shows... And some other uh, uh, smaller successes that I had here in the city with uh, with other events. Um, that's what really made me want to do at uh, Summit City and then and now Appleseed. Yeah, I definitely think that um, I, I never got to go to Windy City, but I did hear really good things about that. And obviously, I you know I don't think I've ever missed a, a super show. Yeah. Um, but it's it, it is sort of like you don't really have that that anxiety like i said that that stress level of you know oh my god if it, you know for, just really sc- hardcore like scheduling out your day like mm-hmm. oh i know that i'm going to be standing in this line you know from this time to this time and i want to get to that panel so i need to get in in line an hour ahead of time <laughs> like some of the craziness um i think i had to usually if I have to wait more than a half an hour in a line, I bail. Right. And that's why, you know, like New York, it's, you know, it's like, well, really interested in knowing what this person has to say, but (laughs) I know in, uh, you know, five minutes, as soon as those doors get open, people will be tweeting it and it'll be up on, you know, on all of the websites anyway. I don't need to sit 400 rows back to see the person on a blurry movie projector <laughs> screen. <laughs> um, I can go do something else. <laughs> As you can see, I don't like waiting in line. No, obviously not. This is a real problem. Um, this is. I'm really, really fortunate because out here, our DMV is actually really wonderful. Um, you can. Uh, you, there's. I don't think I've ever been more than 20 minutes inside there. Dang, I, I, I hate you. <laughs> I know. Well, that was why for, for my brief time living in Pennsylvania, I was really scared because it was going to be the time when I was going to have to like switch my stuff over. And I didn't understand like that. They don't do things all in the same building. You have to go do things in like different places. Yeah. And um, I'm like, no, we just have DMV. You go. The only thing I have to do differently is actually physically take the car to inspection and that I can set up by appointment on a Saturday. So, and it's like five minutes away. <laughs> like, um, so I'm really spoiled about, about, you know, usually the worst case scenarios of waiting in lines. Like, I don't go to San Diego Comic-Con. <laughs> I, I um, you know, when I get to New York, I hang out in Artist Alley. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, yeah, it just it can grate on you, right? Like, you're just like, ah, oh, now I have to wait for this. Now I have to wait for this. You don't want to spend your... You don't want to spend your whole life waiting for things. You want to actually do things. Yeah, I want right? to do something. It's yeah. you know, you it's your time and your effort, and um, you know your money mm-hmm. to go someplace. And um, so it's really important to me that there are shows like um, you know, like yours and CGS out there, and um, and even if they they do them just like you know one time, like hey, let's 
the city needs something, we need to all get together, and there's a buzz, and you do it once, that's great. And then maybe the next year you do it in a different city or something like that. They do that with writers' conventions. They, right. bounce, they bounce them around, um, which I find really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of academic conferences and that sort of thing do that as well. So, but uh, but you know, I mean, it, but that's all, but there's there's some benefit in that doing that too because you're not just building one community; you're building hopefully multiple communities. So. Right. Um. So let's see. Are so have you updated your nifty little comic at all? Because I was really digging it. And, uh, uh, for Mystery Solved? Mystery Solved, yes. I couldn't yeah. remember. I was like, Mysterious, what the hell is it called? <laughs> <laughs> um, I I have been, and then for like the past like five or six weeks, I I had to put it on hiatus. Um, not that it's, I mean, it's going to keep going and it's not going away or anything like that, but, uh, you know, as I sort of hinted at before, um, school and just really caught up with me and then trying to balance that with the Kickstarter, um, it just... I just lost any uh, personal time that I may have had. Um, not that folks are necessarily worried about like my psychological health, but um, Aww. Well, Let's, it, we just like artists to go crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly how people feel, right? But I'm just saying, I'm not. This isn't uh, like, oh, woe is me. Um, but no, this summer for my graduate uh, school stuff, I'm taking like three. I'm taking three grad classes, and they're 16 week classes. Normally, and since it's in the summertime, they're taking 16-week classes and mushing them into six weeks. So I have all of this work to do for those. Um, and then, you know, like I said, on top of that, getting ready for and uh, balancing the Kickstarter and something had to give. So That is so, understandable. So, yeah, I had to take a little bit of a break. But, um, but summer session is finishing up this week. So after this week, by the time this episode releases, I should be back on schedule uh, releasing a new strip every week. Okay, uh, so let's tell tell the listeners if they've never heard of Mystery Solved, um, what sort of goodness it is. Uh, Mystery Solved is the webcomic of skepticism and adventure. Uh, if anyone out there ever watched uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle or uh, Dudley Do Right and they remember the character Commander McBrag, it's like that, um, except imagine McBrag investigating ghosts and goblins and psychics and uh, and Bigfoot and that sort of thing. And, uh, it's, it's basically, it's an adventure strip, and, uh, each adventure, um, is the colonel investigating a different mystery, um, and, uh, sort of either debunking it or confirming it or whatever the case may be. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I really like writing it a lot. Um, it's, uh, it's certainly an evangelistic comic because I am a skeptic and I like science and reason and that sort of thing. Um, but uh, for as much as I like that stuff, that doesn't mean that there's not jokes to be had, and uh, there's not uh, you can't laugh at that sort of thing. So I try to, I try sure. to. It's sort of like a like a higher brow Scooby Doo. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, that's that's really what I'm going for there. Um, and uh, you know, it it uh, when it does update, when I'm not freaking out and uh, on the verge of a of a meltdown, um, it uh, it updates every Thursday, and if folks don't uh, read it online they can also read it uh, every two months in skeptical inquirer which is the uh, journal that is put out by the committee for skeptical inquiry uh and they can be found in bookstores everywhere that's pretty nifty i didn't realize you were you were syndicated i am syndicated it's very exciting so i mean and to be syndicated by the journal that a journal that was founded by one of my heroes carl sagan um kind of means a lot to me so 
That's very awesome. Yeah. Um, so have you, obviously when there's really any kind of creative person, we usually have these like lists or files of things to just like, oh, maybe I'll get to this idea later or this isn't the time or just, uh, you know, do you have like a, like a, just a bucket of ideas that you keep for, for the future or do you just really like staying focused on one thing at a time? Um, it's a little of column A, a little of column B. Um, I'm always thinking about new and different things. It's just a matter of finding the time to get them done. So, um, so what I do is I have, I, I go out and I buy those cheap, uh, notebooks, um, uh, composition notebooks, you know, like, uh, <laughs> Like uh, the notebooks that they found in John Doe's apartment in Seven. The the, uh, the the black marbled thing. Yeah. That's what I use. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Hell so yeah. So I I just fill those things up with ideas and uh, and uh, rough outlines for scripts and that sort of thing. Yeah, that and Google Drive are like the things that keep me going. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I I use that as well. Um, so you know, I just keep I just sort of keep things on file, and as I can get to them, I do. Um, I've got a couple. I have another project that's in the works right now with um, Vince B of Eleven O'Clock Comics fame. Oh, um, I love Vince. Yeah, me too. I don't he's, think I ever agree with him, but I love him. That's okay. I, he's, <laughs> he's very cuddly. Um, but, uh, no, Vince and I have a project that we're working on together that um, it's going to be a while before anything actually releases because of how we're putting it together. But uh, we're hoping to have something out for that within the next year, maybe a little more than a year. Um, and I'm really excited for folks to see that well uh, as well. It's... Um, it was actually the, uh, without giving too much away about it, it was actually a pitch that I, um, or an idea that I put together for a, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic when uh, when Mirage was still around. And, uh, and, and you know, Mirage folded and I was like, well, I guess I'm never going to pitch this. Um, but uh, Oh, but now, you know, IDW but, has, has, the, has the turtles. That's true. Um, that Yeah, that's definitely true. But what I decided to do instead was... Uh, uh, is I reworked it uh, into this other thing that Vince and I are uh, doing together, and it involves uh, aliens and dinosaurs and cavemen and uh, and all sorts of adventure and just some dark and scary stuff and some fun and wacky uh, monster stuff too. It, it, I'm really excited for people to see this when it comes out. It's it's going to be great. Well, that's cool. I'm excited for it. But now, I, now I have to ask you about the turtles. Mm-hmm. Um, are you upset that Michael Bay has like reworked them so that they're aliens now? Oh, they don't act. That doesn't actually exist to me. That's so I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, just, what you're talking about? Yep, it's it's like the fourth Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> it didn't happen. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes sometimes I get upset about those things uh, and that they bother me. But you know, at the end of the day, they're uh, just not going to get your money, and that's it. Yeah, they're not going to yeah. get my money, and that's it. And I still have, you know, all my old Eastman and Laird stuff, and, you know, the later stuff uh, when when it was just Peter Laird doing, you know, working on it or owning it at Mirage. Um, you know, I have all that, and that means more to me than um, than any damage that could be caused by some goofball in a suit. Um, so thank God for that. Again, another reason to get people to come out and actually read the source material, right? Right. And when it gets trashed later, they can say, oh, but... This movie was terrible, but I remember there's this really great story in these books. Yeah. And, and those never go away. Catwoman. Yes. Another great example. And, you know, and, and yet it's one of those things, you know, talking about just the whole convention scene and everything. 
for as bad as Catwoman was, so many people wear that freaking costume, usually around Halloween because it's a mass-produced piece, but so many people wear that costume. I know. Like, okay, y'all say it was a terrible movie, but... I, I would be willing to guess. This is just a guess. I would guess that better than 80% of the people that are wearing that costume didn't see that movie. I I, I wouldn't doubt it. I'm, that's, I'm wouldn't not... Doubt it. They're just, and, they know yeah. the character. They know who she is. And that's yeah. And, and Yeah, and that's okay. And I'm not, I'm not... Yeah, when I say that, I don't mean that in a pejorative sense. I'm just saying, like, it's just... Just a hunch. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's absolutely... Like, if... You know... I don't know. I guess if I were to dress up like, um, I don't know, a French maid, you know, I can't say as I've ever been French or, you know. Or a maid. Or a maid. Yep. So. Um, But that's okay, right? Right. So So it's uh, part of the fantasy. It is. Just let people enjoy it in their own way and say, okay. I just think it's funny that it's like the most maligned comic book film of all time. Yeah. No, no, I, no, I definitely see it. Yeah. It's the, the level of irony. Like, it's painful. Yeah, but and it's, like, the most popular, like, mass-produced female costume out there. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it helps that it's, I mean, just being frank about it, it for it being so mass-produced, I'm sure it helps that it's so revealing. Yeah. Okay. So. Of course it is. Um, so, um, with the cosplay, though, at the show, do you do, do you have enough to do contests, or what do you do? Yeah, um... Well, this year it was a little bit different. Uh, we had, uh, we had a guy, uh, the city wanted to participate more in the show this year than they had in the past. And, um, the downtown improvement district, um, brought in this guy who does a lot of living statue stuff. But, uh, and he, the, they had him put on a workshop there. And it was kind of cool because it wasn't just, this is how you stand really still. It was, here's how you develop a costume and a character to go with the costume and that sort of thing. Um, and a lot of people came down actually just for that. Uh, but, uh, so that was, that was really cool. But a lot of what we've done in the past is, um, adult cosplayers haven't been as frequent as they are at other shows, although this year was, um, there's a big uptick, or uptick in it. So in the past, the costume contests and things that we've done have been for kids. Um, because we, uh, not just because it's really cute when the kids come out in their costumes, whether, you know, it's fabulous dad. when kids are dressed up. It, yeah. It, it just adds, like, you know, plus 20 charisma to children when they are dressed up. Oh, yeah. Well, it, it does that. But, it, you know, it, it changes or it can manipulate the uh, the atmosphere of the show, you know, because people see kids who are excited. Adults see kids who are excited about the same things that made those adults excited when they were kids. And um, it allows the kids to make a connection. And I think that's a really, really awesome thing. So, uh, so we always have a kids costume contest. Uh, and I think next year, so if next year, uh, I'm looking to do an adult costume contest, um, and by we'll adult see. costume contest, we don't, mean, I don't, yeah, like, I don't mean triple yeah. X. Costume. No, I mean, and, uh, I mean, adults <laughs> dressed in costume. costume. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, um, but yeah, because this year there was, a, uh, this year we had a lot more adult, uh, cosplayers than I think, I think we had more adult cosplayers this year than I had at the previous three years combined. This is pretty, you know, spectacular. That, yeah, yeah, right? it's really, it's really good. I mean, that's that's great because that's those are more people who are coming out because and that are invested in the community and um, and what conventions have to offer. So, yeah, um, it's you know, it's just it's one of those feelings where um, 
when you put on a costume, um, first of all, you really can't do it if you're a shy person. I mean, I know a lot of shy people say that they do it and then they just feel different because they're not themselves. So that helps them in that sense. But it's one of those things where the point of putting it on is that you're approachable. So you're at this convention filled with a couple thousand people and, you know, you're you're the welcome greeter. Like you're there to have people come up to you and talk to you and get your picture taken a million times. And that's part of the excitement. Yep. You know, so it's, uh, you know, you just have to know what to expect if you've never if you've never put on a costume outside of Halloween or Mardi Gras, um, I encourage everybody to try it. It's fun. Yeah. You know, and, um, and you know, the folks that do it always seem to be having a good time. Yeah. So, and that, that's, you know, and again, just people having fun and enjoying themselves does a lot for any show. Um, regardless of, you know, the reason for it, if people are happy, then, um, the show's just automatically better. And cosplayers can do that. They can make they make a lot of people happy. They're like, oh man, I know who that is, or I can't believe you mixed those two characters together. Yeah, there's been a lot of really unusual mashups. Like the last few years, the mashups because people don't want to, you know, be caught wearing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Darth Vader is usually mashed up with something. Boba Fett is usually mashed up with something. Um, they're just getting really strange and bizarre. And some of them are just hilarious. Yeah, and some of them are really thoughtful too, and like they make perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, and speaking, of, oh, go ahead. Batman, Darth Vader was, I know, uh, a popular, <laughs> popular one somewhere. That's a pretty good one. Uh, at C two E two this year, I saw. Speaking of the video game stuff earlier, I saw Mega Man, um, but it was Mega Man as a Blue Lantern, which made which perfect makes, sense. Makes perfect sense. Like, of course, if, yeah. of course, Mega Man would be a Blue Lantern. That that works. You yeah. should do this. The lanterns are really fun to play with in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to figure out who would be a what, you know, what color and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, those interpretations. I mean, they're just—I don't know—they're just—they're things that get fans excited, and people really like seeing that because it allows their imagination to run wild with um, the characters and and other ideas that they may have been holding on to themselves. Like, oh, somebody else thought of that. I am validated, you know. Right. So. Um, all right. Well, Zach, before you know, we you know, let you go. Um, let's just get some more information. What's the uh, Appleseed Con website? Uh, that is appleseedcon dot com. Well, that's super easy. It is. Um, and it's like I said, it's real easy to find on Kickstarter. Uh, it's the official big name is the Appleseed Comics and Art Convention. Are you calling it something clever like C2E2 did? Like, are you AC squared or something? Nope, just Appleseed for short. Okay. And uh, that will be May 17th and 18th of next year at the Grand Wayne Convention Center in downtown Fort Wayne. And um, like I said, it is a really nice town to walk around in, and the convention hall is beautiful. Um all my friends will be there, so hopefully I will too. <laughs> um, all right, so Zach, where should people be following you as well, or do you have specific apple seed links? Oh, I got Amber. I have all the links. You have all the links. Okay. I have all the links. Um, yeah. So if folks want to follow the show on Twitter, uh, just for updates about it and about the convention or guest announcements, that sort of thing, uh, that you can follow the show at AppleseedCon um, on Twitter. Or if you want to follow me, uh, that I'm at Zach Cruzy and that's Z A C K K R U S E. 
And if you want to check out Mystery Solved, the webcomic, once it starts, uh, once it kicks back up again, hopefully this, as you're listening to this, uh, you can find that at mysterysolvedcomic.com. That's awesome. I can't wait till, um, you know, till you're well-rested and yeah. get, get back into the swing of things. But, uh, it's helpful to take a break. Like you said, Guns of Shadow Valley had a, had a good Kickstarter and they took a break for a couple of years. Yeah. That's because Dave's all famous now. He had to like go like, you know, work on IDW books and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Dave. I got great. I have all these great comics. Blah blah blah. Amazing. He's busy being famous. Yeah, <laughs> makes you sick. It I, does. But, success. But it's great. Now Guns is back, so we're happy. Yep. We're all happy that Guns is back. Yep. Everybody is. It's a good thing. And um, all right. Well, you got a couple weeks left on the Kickstarter, so of course I wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much, and thank you again for having me on. It's nice to talk to you. So. You guys, you can follow me, of course, at Elizabeth Amber on Twitter, or just head over to AmberUnmasked.com. It's Amber Unmasked on Facebook and Google+. And um, I'm pretty much everywhere as often as possible. So thanks, as always, for listening. Thanks to Zach and all of his hard workers at Applefeed for, uh, for putting on such a great show. 